slather see. themselves in mayo and see how that works out. In you should these... never be in charge of any sort of military operation in this world. In t- Everyone, and welcome to I Made Her Watch, the show where two best friends essentially make each other watch stuff they otherwise wouldn't and at times have to pay the consequences for that. I'm mm-hmm. your host, Stephanie. And I am your tanning aficionado host, Vanessa. We're continuing with the adjectives or phrases that describe me. And this week, I made her watch Attack on Titan. So, Vanessa. Uh-huh. Some might say that you resemble a boiled lobster today. I think that would be an accurate assessment. I hurt in a lot of different places. And I think tomorrow is going to be very hard to sit on my butt for eight hours. So I'm hoping that like, you know, maybe I'll put my laptop in a location where I could just stand and work because I don't know if I'll be able to sit. Or maybe you could just get one of those gel ice packs you put into the fridge and then you just put it on your seat and you just sit on it all day. That's a good idea. Mm-hmm. I, I might need I to, tend to have those. Yeah, I still won't advocate for sunscreen, but you know, maybe a little bit of it would have helped today, possibly. It might have possibly helped from the second degree burns that you have. Honestly, it's looking like third degree burns right now. (laughs) It's not good. (laughs) While you're taking advantage of the very sunny Toronto weather, it's been extremely hot. Mm -hmm. The last like week and a half here in Toronto, like we do not see this sort of weather at the end of May. Some might call it global warming. I call it an opportunity for a job well done. That is one way to spin it. I will be worried about the global warming impacts later. (laughs) But for now, (laughs) you know, considering how little consideration you give to your own skin's health, I'm not sure if global warming is going to enter your mind anytime soon. You know, the thing that's going to get me probably isn't the global warming. It will probably be something like melanoma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'll be there for you in your time of need. Mm -hmm. Yes, please, please do. Which is probably inevitable. My time of need is really right now. Like, (laughs) I gave you the idea about the gel ice pack. The longer I sit here, the more painful it becomes. But that's okay. (laughs) Everyone has to pay a price for their actions. And I knew that I might have to pay this price. This week, we did something a little different because we made a deal after our last episode. So for you guys, it would be last week's episode, which was Broadchurch. And for us, it was a few weeks ago because we have full-time jobs that make... Complicated lives. Yeah, it makes creating a podcast very difficult. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So the deal was essentially that I would finish watching the first season of Broadchurch... And in exchange, instead of Vanessa watching the first three episodes of Attack on Titan, she would watch the first five episodes. Mm-hmm. So my my reasoning for this at the time was that I felt like the first three episodes of Broadchurch 
it didn't have that clincher moment that really gets you into it and really excited to see what's going to happen and how it ends. And I thought the ending to Broadchurch was quite the twist, more of a twist than most other crime dramas that I've seen. And I really wanted you to be able to experience that. You know what? My reasoning for wanting the first five episodes was very similar, actually, Mm -hmm. because it turns out that the episode that kind of got me and cinched me was episode five of season one of Attack on Titan. So we had very similar reasoning for that. Yeah. I may add that I dedicated several more hours to this. So I'm not exactly sure whether I won or lost in this deal. Let's maybe start by saying, how did you enjoy the remainder? I liked it. I think I upgraded the score by like half a point or something like that. So it definitely bumped up the score a bit. I still decided I want to rewatch it. That's fair. Despite the fact that the twist at the end did surprise me, I still found that I did not care enough about the characters to feel invested in them and what happened to them by the very end. I think part of it was just maybe knowing that one of them had done this, maybe not wanting to get attached to anyone. Mm -hmm. It might have been part of it, but the ending did surprise me. So it did, the score did get bumped up a little bit. Okay. So that's fair. I mean, I think you're well aware of the fact that I do like to be right about things. Mm -hmm. And I was so convinced that you would like it more than you did at the end of three episodes that I really wanted to push you to watch the rest of the season. In hindsight, because hindsight is always twenty twenty, I feel that I just shouldn't have bothered. <laughs> I feel that <laughs> it was not worth the extra half a point. I thought about this a lot today. A lot. I, I thought about my mindset at the time. And I've come to realize that sometimes it's okay to not be right. It's okay to let things go early on. And it's a lesson that I'm going to carry through with me months into the future. Because despite the difference in episode length, and granted you did devote many more hours, I suffered not just with the sunburn today. Oh, Vanessa, you're going to have those anime fans after you. I suffered significantly. I'm not going to lie. I wanted to be nice about this, but snarky Vanessa is coming up because I, whew, at the end of episode three, I was like, God damn it, if you could have just shut your mouth a couple of weeks All ago, been over. It would have been over. Well, Vanessa, you live and you learn. These things happened and it was an experience. It was an experience. And you know what? You're welcome for not making you watch the original subversion. You know... Part of me thinks that I would have preferred that. I'll tell you why. Okay. One of my major complaints in Uh watching this was the shouting. Oh, no. Then you wouldn't have. No, no. it would have been worse. Oh, no, it's worse. That's why I chose the dub. Well, there's two reasons. Oh, like three reasons that I chose the dub version. One, it's extremely difficult to be reading the subs, paying attention to the visuals, and taking notes at the same time. And already it's probably doubles the time for a note taking in something like this so and that's just like under normal circumstances so something like that probably would have tripled the time the second right it makes it easier for you watching it the first time Um, because there's already a lot to take in and if you have to read subtitles on top of it it makes it much more complicated yeah and the dub version is it's not bad Mm -hmm. it's not bad i've watched both 
the dub and the subversion for each season. The subversion is always a few weeks ahead, so I usually tend to, when the show is airing, I'll watch the subversion. And then if I'm rewatching, I'm going to watch the dub version because I'm able to kind of watch it and also do like different things, like let's say laundry or something like that. And it's a lot more difficult if I have the subs going on, right? But also the third reason is the yelling. And that's something that's a bit difficult to get used to in particular when it comes yeah. to this genre of anime. So that's the shonen. So Attack on Titan is a shonen show and those are types of action-packed shows that are mainly aimed at teenage boys. Kind of like the equivalent of maybe like comic book and superhero type shows. And they tend to be yelly. Did you ever see any bits and pieces of Dragon Ball Z? Very little. Do you remember any yelling? I, I feel like I do. Like, I feel like I know this is a feature yeah. of certain types of anime. I think I didn't appreciate how how much it happens until you sit and watch five episodes. <laughs> I, you know, I kept having to adjust my volume repeatedly. It was too much for me. It was too much of a hurdle for me to get over. That alone was too much for me. And hence my reasoning. So Vanessa watched the first five episodes mm -hmm. and absolutely loved it. That's all I heard. Yeah. And unfortunately, I realized the version that she was watching didn't have some of like the key information like visually in English. Yeah. So I do have that information I did notice that, though, because I remember you had told me to pay attention to, like, those stills. And I'm like, well, there's not too much to pay attention to because I don't see a translation. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does help map out certain things. I think you didn't need the English text as much in the stills for this first five episodes as you would have later on, mm -hmm. where it's, like, almost purely text. Well, I will not be worried about the later <laughs> Vanessa, don't spoil it for the end. We have a part at the end of the show where I ask whether you would rewatch or continue watching and you're just spoiling it all. It's, it's still up for grabs, whether or not. <laughs> you know, who knows? You might end up being surprised. You could sell it to me. So this first season was composed of 25 episodes and it came out in April 2013. The second season, which is comprised of 12 episodes, came out in April 2017. There is a four-year gap between this. And this happens a lot in anime where there's the manga and the anime will only adopt one arc. So one arc of the story within the manga. I have to still look more into that, but I'm, that might have been the original intention of the show. It was just okay. to cover that arc. But then also, I believe that there was some sort of delay in the manga as well during that time period from what my brother was telling me. But also, I do not think that they expected the popularity of this show. It gained a following that usually takes several more years. Right. And more established manga or anime. It's like constantly being placed on like the top five or ten anime shows. This worries so me. This worries me because if this is at the top and I am forced to watch more. <laughs> it is a different type of genre. That's why I definitely wanted to introduce you into the world of something like a little bit softer, like Spirited Away. 
right? Because right? these are both anime. These are yeah, both, yeah. you know, done by like incredible artists. The animation and the movement in Attack on Titan is amazing. It's the type of skill that it takes to be able to animate those movements with mm-hmm. uh what you saw later, like the ODM gear, the machinery that they use to be able to move around and defend themselves, it's extremely difficult to do. It's a, such a visual feat. And in particular, like we're talking about 2013. Yeah, which is impressive, mm-hmm. right? Because the technology back then would have been worse. Or yeah. I should say, just not as advanced as it is today. Yeah, it's not as advanced. And I also remember there's something about the way that they're able to make like the bodies move compared to something like I would say something even like Naruto, which was still airing around the same time, doesn't have that sort of kind of realistic flow and movement or like what you would think a body would move like in that situation. Kind of similar to what we were talking about in the Spirited Away episode, how realistic and human-like certain movements can be and how it could like really pull everything together. Well, I can appreciate in this that like I I have no issues with the animation of it right I thought it was nicely done they end up switching I believe animation companies in the fourth and final season and they did do a very good job like I would say they even like improved on it season three part one comes out in July 2018 and it's 12 episodes season three part two came out in April 2019 that's 10 episodes season four was announced And it was always said that it was going to be 16 episodes and it premiered in December 2020. I remember my brother talking to me about this and he's like, I have no idea how they're going to fit what's left of the manga, which hadn't at that point hadn't finished yet. It still had a few chapters left. Oh, okay. I have no idea how they're going to fit this in 16 episodes. Guess what? It turns out there's a season four, part two. It's premiering in 2022. Okay, well, that makes sense then. Yeah, so they're really dragging this out and it's really frustrating because I do want to find out. I know what happens up until the end of season four, part one. Okay. And I can find out what happens, what ties us all together. But don't spoil it for yourself. It's really hard because of the weight and that okay. information's out there. So it's also avoiding all that information that's yeah. out there already and all the discussion threads. But also because you want to find out the reason for why a lot of people have come to the decisions that they've come to. It's really fascinating to me, though. Clearly, it's got such a large following. Clearly, I'm on the outskirts of this following. <laughs> But it's interesting to see, I guess, just how different everybody's perspective can be on something that you watch, right? So, Mm -hmm. like, clearly, as you said, by episode five, you were kind of drawn in and hooked. And to be on, I won't say anything yet, but by episode five, that ending, I was like, oh, thank God, because I couldn't stand that character anymore. (laughs) I was like, bless the Lord. (laughs) Okay, because, and I will tell you this, that is what I feel that made it so great by the end of it, because you do not feel the same way about characters in the beginning that you do by the end. That's fair. Yeah. I just, I don't think I could sit through any more episodes of that character. And like, I know that that's, you know, a main character and I'm just like, oh, good God. (laughs) If I have to sit through another 24 minutes of this. It was like a 20 
one or no, it was 24. It was 24. I mean, there's the little end credits, but let me tell you, I counted every minute. <laughs> Did it you was- just watch the end credits every single time? No, no, I stopped. Okay. <laughs> Don't do quick, that. Quick change. <laughs> you only need to really watch it once to figure out like I, um, what it is. And that's the thing too. Like a rewatch can give you a completely different perspective. I think in my position, rewatching five episodes wouldn't but if I saw further into the series and then I started again I probably have a different perspective of certain characters but again it's also just it's so interesting to me to see how different people can watch the same show and come out with completely different opinions of it right like opposite ends of the spectrum well because even when it comes to anime like shonen is a very popular genre but it's not for everyone yeah I I would say it's probably not for me for the reason that I described before. <laughs> yeah. But I will say, like, and we'll get to this because I did write down and I know exactly who you're talking about. I very much forget how irritating this mm. person. I'm pretty sure I wrote down the word brat. I feel like that encompasses what his character is very much yeah. like. I mean, it did in a way it was kind of taken back to like spirited away and how in that movie, she's the main character is a little bit of, you know, spoiled child, I guess you'd say in the beginning. But to me, this one is just, it's not even on the same playing field. Like the level of irritation that I got in watching this, I could totally tolerate Spirited Away. And, you know, the fact that she was a little bit more of a brat in this one, I just could not. <laughs> so I'll actually tell you, I avoided getting into this. Mm-hmm. Because it was that whole Game of Thrones thing where it was just so popular. You're like, ugh. right? you kind of want to be on the other side of it. It just became too big. <laughs> yeah, it, just, it, it was so big. And by the time I had watched it, it was airing on Toonami or Adult Swim. I can't remember which one it was at oh, that time. Yeah. And it would play late at night. And I was studying in my undergrad was it in my undergrad? Yes, it was in my undergrad. <laughs> I was studying for exams in my undergrad and it was just, I always had the TV playing on in the background because I really hate silence. Right. And Weirdo. the TV, uh, I like to look up and just kind of like see what's on the TV, take like a mental break. A few of these episodes had been like playing already. So I caught like glimpses of it, but I guess I just decided to take a longer look at was happening. And that happened to be the very end of this episode five. And I right. remember looking up and being like, I wasn't expecting that to happen based on like the little bits and pieces that I had been seeing, but I also knew more or less that this is the type of show where a lot of people die. Right. I think you kind of get a feeling of that from the very beginning. Yeah. And then I got curious about it. And then the next day it turns out who knows what the F I ate the night before. Had a very bad stomach ache. <laughs> and I was in the middle of studying for exams, but as I was laying in bed with a sore stomach, I binged through probably like the first half of the season before I felt well enough to be able to uh, resume studying. Resume studying, yes. So I had to, in fact, stop and then go back to the beginning, find out what the <laughs> hell happened there, what led to this moment. And then here we are. And the rest is history. history. And the rest is history. So just a couple of little facts about Attack on Titan. So number one, it is banned in China. 
if, I could already probably see based on the first five episodes why. <laughs> uh, yeah, they say it's too violent. That's the reason. Uh, yeah, so mm-hmm. l- let's go with that. There's actually a crossover with the Avengers and the Guardians of the Galaxy where Titans attack New York. Oh, goodness. So, And this is a comic book, and I'm guessing it's a very special comic book issue. Interesting. It's kind of cool. The creator, his name is Hajime Asayama. He originally took this manga series to Shonen Jump in 2006. And Shonen Jump is these big, large books. And I don't really read manga, so I'm not 100% sure how it functions. But they rejected it. And then he went on to get published with their competitors, which is Bisatsu Shonen Magazine. It's similar to, uh, what was it? Um... It was Home Alone. Home Alone, yes. Yeah. Where someone's kicking themselves right now. Someone lost out on a significant amount of money. Mm -hmm. There is also an official parody series on this. Okay. Yes. Um, Parody in what way? It's called Attack on Titan Junior High. And I believe it's everyone in chibi version, which chibi version is like tiny, cuter versions. And I believe all of the Titans and all of like our main characters go to the same junior high. And I believe the Titans are bullies. I would watch that. <laughs> that they're you should have made me watch. Chibi, you know what? Chibi, you could always go for because they're, they're tiny and they're adorable. I never watched it myself, though, I'll admit. And the last one is the city. So the city that we saw that everyone lives in, this is the end of humanity. All of humanity lives within this walled city. It's actually based on a real German village called Nordigen. It's one of the three German cities surrounded by a wall. Interesting. And it's not until later on that you figure out kind of more of the significance a little bit with regards to that. About Um, the origin? Yeah, about the origin. But it's like one of those clues that you don't even know that's a clue later on. And finally, the original manga run was from September 2009 up until April 2021. So the final chapter was just... They tend to be long. They yeah. they tend to take several years, but like I told you, there, there was a gap or some sort of delay in the manga right. from what my brother was telling me. This is nothing compared to something which is like One Piece, which I looked up how many episodes of One Piece there is. And there's 970 or some, some ridiculous number like that anime episodes. That's not counting whatever the hell is in the manga, which is, remember, longer and much, much more ahead. Wow. That's like trying to start a soap opera from the beginning, from its early days. Yeah, it's like, I could never do One Piece. I can't. I don't think I've even made it all the way through Dragon Ball Z, to be honest. Do you know, like, roughly how many episodes are in that or how many seasons? Let me see. Let's Google this. Dragon Ball Z consists of 291 episodes, 13 movies, and two television specials. So wow. can you put into context that's, that's a huge difference <laughs> and the exact number of one piece 973 episodes oh my good god i can never do it that's can- a significant difference <laughs> what i know they have done they did with dragon ball z they did with sailor moon as well is that they okay. redid the series in an abridged version so it's just the entire series they saw but it's all been condensed into less filler 
it's not as drawn out and it's just kind of like the most important bits. That's okay. been done with Dragon Ball Z and Sailor Moon, to my so knowledge. If they did that with One Piece, we're saying maybe they'd go from 900 something episodes to 400 something, maybe if we're oh, lucky. Oh, honey, I think it's more than that. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the bits of information that you should have gotten from those like information cards where scene is supposed to transition into a commercial or it's supposed to be a commercial and then come back from a commercial. They have like these little information cards and you probably didn't see this, but normally they have something like recently disclosed information. It's kind of like there's all this stuff that happened during World War II and then after like 50 years or something, the government can finally disclose it to the public. Okay, but would that have been like from the future or that's still in the present time is when the episode is taking place? It's just for us as the audience. Okay. It's just for us as the audience. It's a way of providing you with information, like very quickly, easily digestible information that will give you more context for the show. Okay. So, Vanessa, are you ready to relive episode one? Like a Band-Aid, just rip it right off. (laughs) Episode one of Attack on Titan, and I am going to fucking butcher this. I'm sorry. Um, (laughs) Its Japanese name is Shigeki no Kyojin. And you probably did not get the name of this first episode, but episode one is called To You in 2000 Years, The Fall of Shiganshina Part One. Okay. So do you know what Shiganshina is? That's the city that they were living in. Like the town town or something. Let's think of it as like the GTA, Greater Toronto Mm -hmm. Area. And all these like little parts that we're going to be talking about, they're like, you know, North Toronto or Brampton Brampton and yeah, that sort of thing. The episode opens up with birds flying in the sky and people are staring at what we come to know as the Colossal Titan. And Vanessa, would you like to describe what this thing looks like? Yeah, it looks like my current son. (laughs) Sorry, I can't get through that. Oh my God. Wait a second. Can you repeat that? Because I think I might have cut off and I think it was funny. I laughed through it. It didn't cut off. Oh, I didn't get the line. Lean me up again. Lean me up. Okay. And Vanessa, can you please describe what this looks like? <laughs> it looks like my current sunburn. <laughs> Okay, so apparently uh, (laughs) Vanessa's sunburn is so severe that all skin has been burnt off and she's left just exposing her muscle. I just want to say that when I first started watching, I didn't look like that, but I think it was around episode four or five. I'm like, oh, you know what the colossal titan looks like? (laughs) So if anybody wanted a visual of just how red I am. Particularly, his butt is very, very red. <laughs> but it's muscly. Yeah, see, mine is not muscly, but it's red. <laughs> yeah, so like all, all the skin is off, which will be me by tomorrow, guaranteed. And it's just flesh and tendons. Uh, I will wait for my actual, my funny comment, my truly funny comment about this. <laughs> but I saw all the seriousness out of the moment of a whole bunch of people <laughs> losing their lives. Oops. And I, when I saw what they were looking at, I'm like, well, I guess I understand the title <laughs> of the show. We find out 
later on this guy they dub the colossal titan because he is just so massive his head is able to appear over the walls of this city and to give context to how this city is kind of constructed it's like three circles within themselves yeah but there's small semicircles kind of jutting out out of four different Four, four different, different points. Po- yeah, four, four, four different points. And this is all actually very strategic mm-hmm. with the way that the city was built. Its intention is, we later find out, to draw titans to a certain area. Each one of these major walls, though, has a name. The first one, the outermost wall, is called Wall Maria. The middle wall is called Wall Rose. Rose. Yes, called Wall Rose. And then the innermost wall which is supposed to protect the most important people. Mm-hmm. The wealthiest. Yes. <laughs> is Walsina. And I even drew something for you here. Oh, you have a visual. Yeah. Oh, that's very nice. Chiganchine <laughs> is actually is one of those cities that I was saying kind of juts out one of those points. And the, the purpose that later we find out is because number one, Titans are actually drawn to humans. They want to consume them. Mm-hmm. But the more humans that they are concentrated in one area, the more they're drawn to that. So what it ensures is that if there is a Titan attack, all the Titans can be focused in one area and it makes it much easier for the military to be able to defend. Defend, defend yes. Yeah, exactly. And hopefully stop them from breaking through a wall. Which is not so successful when you have a gigantic skinless man looking over the wall. <laughs> In their defense, they did they, not know. They did, as we'll later find out, they're not all that large. Yeah. <laughs> so this scene kind of dissipates and we find our main character, Aaron, which is Vanessa's favorite character. Oh, don't you know it? He thinks he's just so mature and so grown up. The voiceover, it's ominous. It says, and just like that, everything changed. And at that moment, we knew home was a pen. Humanity is cattle. So I will give credit where credit is due. I really like that line. And what you might not notice, and it's something that I only noticed kind of later on, is from the very beginning with those birds, we're seeing like a main theme of the show, which is freedom. Um, That's a good point. And when we got more into like the different... uh, the different symbols that each of the army regiments have, you'll see that theme come up again, but we'll get more into that afterwards. The amount of detail and time and that goes into like these visual choices, especially when you're going back and watching it, you're like, wow, they're actually telling you something from the very beginning. A lot of thought is put into it. And I was actually listening to like a podcast, which I have been avoiding once again, because everyone wants to talk about this manga ending. Someone, I think, pointed out that one of the things that makes this first episode so good in the eyes of many, maybe not you, but Mm -hmm. in the eyes of many is the fact that this opening scene happens. You have no idea what's happening. But by the end of it, you find out they make you a promise. They're saying you're going to find out what brought us to this moment. And by the end of the first episode, you do. They keep their promise and you finding out what's going to happen at each point. Right. They kind of hold you in suspense for a little bit, but it does pay off. There's a reward at the end of it. A reward for the people who enjoy it, I'll say. And then we have a scene of what we'll later find out is the scout regiment. These are the people that actually go outside of the walls 
And they have constant interaction with the Titans. They're right. constantly being eaten and brutalized. Yeah. Can I just say at this point here, I kind of had like Game of Thrones vibes. And I know this would have come before Game mm-hmm. of Thrones, but just the wall itself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I guess kind of getting eaten as well. I just thought of Game of Thrones a lot during this series. Uh, yeah. So it's raining and we see that there's the scout regiment and you can tell that they're from this regiment because of the symbol on their back. So there are three divisions to the military. So we have the military police, we have the garrison regiment and the scout regiment. And the symbol that we see on the back is a pair of wings. Those wings are actually called the wings of freedom. Oh, Okay. Sorry, sorry. The Wings of Freedom are on the backs of which regiment? The Scout Regiment. Oh, that would make sense because they're going outside of the wall. Yes, exactly. What's great is going back and watching this is that I'm seeing people in this Scout Regiment, in this like scene that I'm going to see later on that I just never paid attention to the first time I watched it because I didn't think that they would be anyone significant. Right. So we end up seeing someone who ends up becoming Commander Irwin and also Commander Hanje. And also someone else that we come to know very well. He's very yelly. <laughs> <laughs> but in a, in a more of a, of a mean militaristic way instead of like yeah. a whiny way. Yeah, I can handle the mean one. <laughs> then we open up to the theme song, which is Gurn no Yumila. I do like the theme song and it's still kind of stuck in my head right now. It is constantly ranks as one of the best theme songs, like opening themes. It's very, like, pumps you up sort of song. Yeah, and once again, what we're saying about the animation of, like, the movements, there's a part where they're swinging from their ODM gear, and it just matches up so well with the music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you're getting pumped up, like, it's it's going to be brutal, but, like, we're going to get through this. We're fighting for humanity. And, oh, is it different from... <laughs> What we may see like later on, we see images of like all our main characters. Our main characters are just kind of standing in this the graveyard at this point yeah. of just like all their fallen comrades. And there's a lot of mention even in later episodes of like the number of people who went outside of the wall and the number that came back and like mm-hmm. a staggering difference between those two, right? Yeah. And also like we do get bits and pieces of scenes for future episodes. Because this is only the, actually the opening song, I believe, for the first half of the first season. Oh, could be wrong. Okay. It yes. changes. Yeah, it changes. So usually you have even within like one season, like an anime, the theme song can switch like twice. Oh, interesting. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so does the ending. So I guess depending on where you are in the context of the story and what sort of matches up with what's going on. Yeah, we finish off with this awesome theme song, which even Vanessa says is slightly catchy, so that's a plus. We got her on the theme song. Yeah. (laughs) And it's a peaceful and sunny day, and it's just so wonderful and pleasant. Mm -hmm. Probably makes you think of being outside and tanning. Yeah, and then Aaron opens his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) He awakens from a dream, and he's irritating, to say the least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is not the most likable protagonist. No, he's not. He, okay, so maybe this is a good time because I wrote, he's very yelly. And then later, Jesus, the yelling. And then later, 
does he not have an inside voice? I think actually another character tells him that. Yeah, someone does bring that up. At a certain point. And I realized this was going to be a recurring problem. So I I messaged the friend that we have who (laughs) you thought would enjoy this. And I'd just like to read snippets of the conversation that we had because I think it was really good. I said that I'm probably going to be subject to some eardrum issues in the future as a result of all the yelling because I just, I can't access the volume on my phone fast enough (laughs) to adjust. (laughs) But then I said further, I have some serious questions. Why are all the giants naked? What's with that? Why do they have such luscious bums? Because some of them do. (laughs) Because that's what we focus on here. First of all, it's a Selene episode, and it's now just seeped into Attack on Titan. We know where Vanessa's priorities are. Yeah. Why do they have so many straight teeth? Who's their dentist and who's their fitness coach? Does eating people fix their teeth and their bums? Instead of yelling, can we address these major questions? (laughs) He responded and said their benefits plan, the Titans benefits Mm -hmm. plan, is unreal and keeps them in prime shape. The shouty one instead is on the Middle Ages health plan and his hearing has clearly (laughs) gone. (laughs) Now he's running around waving that sword, not realizing he's just disturbing everyone around him. He further suggested the Giants may actually be some well-put-together models volunteering at some insane asylum and (laughs) out comes this deaf psycho with the sword. (laughs) I lost it at that point. (laughs) You know what? Um, Maybe this is all just an allegory for the pitfalls of the American healthcare system. You know, I could totally see it. In which case, China should allow (laughs) this show. (laughs) Because really, it's just a critique of America. But I want to alert you to something else because you mentioned something. And I know he's not going to appreciate that I just am about to do this. But he said, quote... Please don't rat me out, but I read the Wikipedia summary for this show to see what happens, and I've never actually watched it or listened to it. I've just been giving fake reviews ever since reading the Wikipedia summary. I'm not surprised that he gives out fake reviews. At this point, just wait until like part two of the last season comes out. If I had to give my recommendation, I would say just don't don't wait at all. Anyways, now (laughs) let's not listen to uh, Vanessa the anime noob. So, and you know what? I highly encourage all you Tack on Titan fans to, you know, participate in our poll and see who do you agree with. Mm -hmm. I would really like that. And for the ones who haven't watched, I would just say divert your attention towards Too Hot to Handle. You're going to have a much more enjoyable time. There will be yelling, (laughs) but you won't have to adjust the volume as frequently. You'll have to adjust to the life of having lost a few IQ points, maybe having to change jobs. (laughs) That's okay. It's all part of the process. You want quality writing? You want nuance? Too hot to handle. Actually, we're talking about quality writing. Uh, The creator of Attack on Titan, he does believe that Breaking Bad is a masterpiece. He knows of it. He like appreciates it. We can agree on something something here. So, yeah, we get introduced to Mikasa, who's the person that wakes him up from this dream that he's having, which is images Mm -hmm. of what we see in the beginning of the episode, which is of the colossal titan appearing above the wall. And this is where we find out this is year 845, so 845. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know in before after what exactly. <laughs> it doesn't come up later on. I mean, it might. I can't say anything at this point. We get images of what the Titans are outside of the wall, and you can see they're tiny. They're so, they're they're large, but they're tiny in comparison to the size of these walls. And we find out that it's been about a hundred years since this walled city has been like this. The Titans haven't broken through. Mm-hmm. But humanity has been driven to the point of almost extinction because of these titans and their only salvation is really staying within the walls that are protecting yeah. them. And people are, in fact, so comfortable and so secure in these walls holding up and protecting them that we have the people are supposed to be manning the walls like <laughs> our good friend Hannes just drinking away the day. I really like him. He says a line about freeloading. And he says, if I'm freeloading, it means that things are running well. And I won't say what I'm about to say because I know you'll just have to cut it after. But I would like to say that I can relate. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Not anymore. I could relate. (laughs) I really enjoyed that. And I think he's right. If you view a worker as freeloading, it just means the system is running efficiently and smoothly. So really, you should be thanking me for all the work that I did before that led to the freeloading ride. Vanessa, you you watched the episode, right? Well, you know, unforeseen circumstances arise later on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, so we meet Hannes, who is part of the garrison regiment. He's supposed to be manning the walls, and Aaron is chastising him for drinking on the job which Vanessa says is perfectly fine. And he says these words. He's like, why on earth would I have to fight? And these are people that are part of the military. Like, essentially, their job is to fight Mm -hmm. should the occasion arise. It's always a sign of things to come when Mm -hmm. somebody says a line like that. Yeah. And we do get more information about Aaron, like, and our main characters. We find out that Aaron's father is a doctor, Mm -hmm. Dr. Yeager. And he almost single-handedly saved the town from a plague. So he's a very well-respected person within Shiganshina. So I will say that the only thing that I would have wanted to know more about in all of this is the father, the doctor. I would have liked to get more of a sense of, like, what was that plague they were talking about and his work in the basement. That is, and I will tell you this, that is essentially the first season. Because that is very significant, getting to that basement and finding out what is in there. What he's been working on. Yeah, what he's been working on. So Hannes is what some might call a freeloader. What I love that he does say is similar to what you were talking about, is that he takes a lot of stock in being a freeloader. He loves that. It means that things are peaceful. But Aaron doesn't agree. He doesn't think that things are good. He thinks that they live in a cage and that they're livestock. Mm -hmm. And this is something that keeps on coming up again. Yeah. I mean, it was in that very first line of the show, right? Yes. 
they leave Hannes, right? And thankfully, Mikasa kind of gets Aaron out of that tussle. The, well, I shouldn't say yeah, tussle. Yeah, because <laughs> he just keeps on butting heads with everyone. I think Mikasa's full-time job is to just get Aaron out of these situations. Yeah, because he can't fight his way out. <laughs> no, because everyone is just much more intimidated by Mikasa than they are of him. Yeah. He's and there's actually a reason shit. for all that. I'm reminded of like that insult in Home Alone. You're such a disease, Kevin. <laughs> You're such a disease, Aaron. <laughs> There's some sort of signal, and we find out that the Scout Regiment, so these are the part of the military that are going outside the walls and they're fighting the Titans, exploring the land, trying to gather more information on them. And we find out that they've come back from a mission and they look. Um, not in the best shape. No, they look pretty dejected. They look injured. They brought back inexplicably a human arm uh, to a mother. <laughs> because that's the only thing that they have left at that point. But, like you'll find out that there's that's the only thing that they can bury or even burn or have like you some really sort of want his piece of his arm. <laughs> You know what? And I think it's even, it's definitely more gory in the manga. I know they play down a lot of it. Yeah. Later on in the series, they do try to bring back bodies or whenever possible. Also, maybe like some part of their clothing, like their badge or something like that right, to like right. give a family member. Mm -hmm. But I found this to be a very heartbreaking scene. Yes, she's lost her son this woman has lost her son but it's the fact that she's asking the commander uh Shadis, i'm not pronouncing this properly because the way that it's spelled out does not match how they it's like it. said constantly but she says tell me his death meant something tell me he was brave tell me his death meant something and right. commander Shadis replies he was brave his sacrifice meant nothing yeah and he breaks down. So. I was surprised that he was honest with her in that moment because that's a very honest answer, right? In the end, it really did probably mean nothing, right? An issue that they really run into for like a couple of the seasons is how the scout regiment is kind of like looked down upon because they see them almost as like, why? What's the point of this? Yeah, it's not really producing any significant results, right? For now. <laughs> but this doesn't seem to deter Aaron. He's actually very protective of the scout regiment. He yeah. insists that he wants to be part of the scout regiment. And then his mom finds out about that. <laughs> Thanks to Mikasa. Yeah. So from my understanding, and this is actually more from the little description at the bottom, she's not actually the biological daughter in that family. No, she is not. And you kind of get that sense in the series too. Like she refers to the mom as mom, but you just, you get that sense that she's not the biological daughter in that family, but she's the one who tells the mom that Aaron plans on joining the scouts. And of course the mom isn't happy. And this leads to one of 500 shouting matches. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to note that at least one member of this family has a calm speaking voice and that would be the father and that's why I was further intrigued because I thought wow he doesn't yell <laughs> you're like Wait, I'd like to Aaron know more didn't get that, that from him <laughs> no <laughs> but he mentions how you know mere words I think is what he says won't hold back the child's curiosity right so the mom is like basically shouting at him I don't want to watch you die and you're gonna die if you join the scouts 
And the father says, well, just telling him that isn't going to make him change his mind about what he wants to do. But the father is leaving on a trip, right? Yes. And he says that, be good while I'm gone. And when you come back, I'll show you what I've been working on in the cellar. And he puts the gold key around Aaron's neck. No, he doesn't. He doesn't. Okay. The gold key is around his neck. Yes. (laughs) He shows him. So Aaron's father shows him the gold key that's around his neck. But we'll come to this after maybe, because I swear in another scene, mm-hmm. he has. Yeah, we'll come to that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, but once again, going back and rewatching it, I noticed the moment that Aaron's father, so Dr. Yeager, decides to bring up the basement and his work in the basement. And the reasoning behind that, we don't discover until like seasons later. Okay. The, for why that moment and what Aaron said would have prompted him to want to disclose that to Aaron. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So all you people who have probably like rewatched that and watched it again will probably know the reasoning behind that. I feel shit out of luck here. <laughs> <laughs> After Aaron's father leaves for his trip, this argument continues. So shouting yeah. match, what is it now? We're on, I think, number six. And we're only on the first episode. (laughs) And the conversation doesn't end well between Aaron and his mother. He runs off in a huff. And this is one of the multiple times in the episode that Aaron's mother is asking Mikasa to look after Aaron. And then Mikasa chases after Aaron and we cut to a scene where we meet Armin for the first time for his poor guys getting bullied. I mean, some might say it's because of his haircut, but bullying should not be tolerated under any circumstances. Having said that, if you're not in quarantine, you should be fixing that haircut. Thankfully, he has very good friends. And when I say friends, Mikasa, because the bullies run the (laughs) bullies run the other way the moment that they see her coming. Yeah. And Aaron being the little shithead thinks that he is the intimidating one. I can probably just yell him to death. Honestly, I would disperse immediately if I had to put up with that. Have they tried? Have they tried using yelling as a way to distract the Titans? It's an angle that should be explored. Mm-hmm. further in this series <laughs> put Aaron on a loudspeaker and see what happens this is so f- <laughs> Jesus Christ <laughs> don't tell me <laughs> um Aaron his yelling becomes quite important actually at one point oh okay <laughs> so we meet Armin and he's kind of shy he doesn't mm-hmm. know really how to stand up for himself he's, he's bookish a- Yeah, he's bookish, but he's very insightful and he's very intelligent. And that's really where his strengths lie. He goes on to say some really like profound things, including like the government's policies are a reflection of our fears. I like that one. And also most people are willing to settle for a fleeting sense of security. And it is fleeting. The walls can't hold forever and it's only a matter of time and That's foreshadowing 100%. I just didn't think it would be so immediate. Right. (laughs) The moment he says this, the scene that we open with at the beginning of the episode happens and the colossal titan appears. But right before that, like, what are your first impressions of Armin? For some reason, when it was happening, I thought of The Simpsons (laughs) and I... (laughs) 
thought of Armin as Milhouse. I don't know why. Maybe it's the bullying thing. (laughs) But I feel like he's going to be the kind of kid who physically probably is going to have a hard time holding his own, but might be able to unlock some future knowledge about the Titans that helps to save them. Or he dies. I don't know. I mean, it's one or the other. (laughs) (laughs) And we've come to the point where the colossal Titan appears and we're finally at the point where the first scene of the episode ends and we're finally able to move forward a bit. The colossal Titan is much taller than the wall. So apparently the wall is 50 meters high. And that's one of those cards that they were showing, showing how tall things were, like the measurements for things to kind of give you a bit of perspective of that. And he kicks in the most vulnerable part of the wall, which is the gate. And I think at this point you realize that besides the sheer size of him, there's something different about him. That's very intentional. And I think especially seeing all the other Titans that eventually start flooding through, they have a very different behavior. The other ones kind of look like walking zombies. He just seems angry. <laughs> Maybe he just cooked in the sun for too long. I mean, I you can he looks like he's steaming and I can identify with that. Well, I'm- he actually is steaming. <laughs> I, I am also actually steaming. <laughs> When the Colossal Titan kicks in this gate, a whole bunch of debris just goes flying. And usually in shows, you know, you see it fall in a house, something insignificant. It's like, no, this is full on crushing people. We have a scene where a piece of the stone has crushed a small child and there's a mother crying at her side trying to still pull her out. Yeah, pretty tragic. And somebody else important gets crushed in the process. And who is it? Aaron's mom. And we have the first real challenge of the show in that, God, I just hate Aaron, but I I do feel bad for the situation (laughs) that he's in. I I would hope that you would find some sort of sympathy in your heart for a very bratty 10-year-old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, here he was just arguing with his mom and now his mom's legs are crushed under the weight of the house, which has collapsed. Him and Mikasa are standing there and they're trying to figure out what to do and he doesn't want to leave the mom. And at the same time, she's telling him, yelling at him, I'm not going to make a yelling comment here because it's warranted. (laughs) (laughs) Yelling at him to leave because they're going to die if they stay and wait for her. And she says, you know, my legs are crushed. Like I couldn't even run with you guys if you managed to get me out of the house. And so somebody actually has to step in in this situation. Hannes, who's... Probably still intoxicated, to be honest. He was still drinking just moments ago. In the episode, it was only five episode minutes ago. Well, maybe an hour within the time of the anime. Frankly, some of us do our best work when intoxicated. But Hannes arrives, and at first, Aaron's mother is begging him to take Aaron and Mikasa and run. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, this is what I've been trained for. Mm -hmm. I am going to fight this titan. Mm-hmm. And he starts running up to him and he looks determined and then he stops. And sees the sheer size. <laughs> yes. And the liquid courage that he just consumed is clearly not strong enough. <laughs> no. And he ends up turning back in fear, thankfully picking up Mikasa and Aaron at the same time, saving their lives and is running away with them to safety. 
I thought this was once again, one of those moments in the show. I love how they did it just because how else would someone react in that situation? The only people in the military that have any interaction with the Titans or the Scout Regiment, and he is part of the Garrison Regiment. And why would he not stop in complete shock and fear? Yeah. As Han is, is running away with Aaron and Mikasa, Aaron is witnessing as the Smiling Titan picks up his mother, snaps her spine, essentially, and then bites her in half. I have one issue with this scene. Mm-hmm. She said her legs were crushed. If you see when she's lifted up, she's flailing her legs madly. And I'm sorry, but that's not going to happen if your legs were just crushed. <laughs> you know what? I noticed that too. I'm thinking, I'm like, I don't know, maybe the Titan's shaking her a bit or something. I don't know. Look like she was doggy paddling. <laughs> plot hole. Plot hole. <laughs> Minor plot hole. But that's the scene that's going to play out in his head multiple times into future episodes, right? Just that image of his mm-hmm. mom being eaten. And the episode ends with him saying, once again, everything changed. Home is a pen. Humanity is cattle. And we get the ending theme. And I don't know how much of the ending theme that you watched, but you actually got glimpses of uh, Mikasa's history and her story. Mm, okay. And now we move on to episode two. And that one is called That Day, The Fall of Shiganshina Part Two. It ain't over yet. And this is like, we're just getting a bit more information, a bit of a history lesson. We know that the Titans first appeared a hundred years ago Mm -hmm. and, you know, humans were moved to the brink of extinction to defend themselves. Three walls were erected, wall Maria, wall Rose, and wall Cena. Pretty much the closer you are to the outer wall, the more unimportant you are. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the eyes of this government. There are classes here. There's, I can see, there's some commentary about classism in this show. (laughs) And also, it is more dangerous to also be in the southern part, because it appears that the Titans come from the south. Okay. Oh, we find out why later. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. (laughs) And we have essentially a shit show. That's emerged. Yeah. We have this religious zealot saying all these verses, including this- as he's getting picked up and consumed by a titan. One of the things that I was able to catch what he was saying was, what else must heavenly grace do for sins as ours? Hmm. And that ends up being a bit more significant. Okay. I was wondering think. about that line. I was wondering just- what he meant by like sins, right? Like what, what had happened previously. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of chalked it out to, well, he's like a religious zealot, right? Yeah, he is a religious zealot. But he, there's some meaning behind what he's saying, clearly. Ding. Can't see all my expressions. I'm like, hint. <laughs> hint, hint. And we we continue on with Hannes and Aaron. And Aaron is extremely pissed off with Hannes. Yeah. I mean, for good reason, of course, right? Mm -hmm. I think that would have been a very traumatic thing Mm -hmm. to witness and something that keeps playing in his head afterwards. But what Hannes ends up saying to him is that you're weak, you're a child, but I'm even weaker. I'm worse. Yeah, Yeah. because I just confronted, you know, what's basically the purpose of my job and I was too scared to do anything about it. 
Yeah, he says, your mother died because I'm a damn coward. Which is true. Mm-hmm. Again, why I like him as character. Because he's honest. First, he was honest about being a freeloader. And now he's honest about his cowardice, right? And I appreciate that in a character. Well, you know what they say about children and drunks? They're honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we find out there, there's really only two ways out. Well, one way outside of Shiganshina and to get within Walmaria. Right. So that is either through the ferry and the like gate. Hannes manages to get Mikasa and Aaron on the ferry. And right. we see that Armin also was able to get on the ferry with his grandfather. Armin sees them and immediately knows, or his grandfather actually re- immediately knows that something happened, that they witnessed something horrible. Yeah, that they've been through something traumatic. I get very uh, Titanic vibes in this scene. Mm-hmm. Just the people who aren't on the boat screaming, you know, there are still children here. And then people jumping for the boat. Uh, it's not funny. I'm sorry. Just, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. <laughs> it's a traumatic scene. Um, I do this sometimes. I laugh at uh, sad moments. And anyways, it reminded me of the Titanic. (laughs) Yeah, because these ferries can't fit any more people. And people are trying to get on the ferry by jumping off of the docks and into the ferry and not exactly making it. Mm -hmm. I think that's what I was laughing at. The not making it part. (laughs) So close, but you missed. (laughs) And the next note of mine is, you know, mother's shouting, like, at least please let my child on to the ferry. <laughs> nope. <laughs> this is the opposite of what Oprah does. There mm-hmm. is no car for anyone. <laughs> so the the last of the fairies are kind of leaving, and there is one and you know what? I admire this guy. I have no idea who the fuck he is. It's this garrison regiment soldier. He is actually like the only one that's semi keeping his shit together mm-hmm. and trying to get everyone to do their fucking job. Yeah. yeah. He's essentially, you can tell he's in complete shock, but he's making sure that his soldiers are actually, you you know, using their fucking cannons to protect <laughs> the people instead of running away in the opposite direction. I would be the people who are <laughs> running in the opposite direction, the whole save yourself mentality. You um, would be part of the military police. Oh, a thousand percent. Like <laughs> if we had to divide each other up, I would definitely be in that regiment. It's just I've known this for a long time because when I was designated fire warden, and don't worry, there was more than one fire warden. And sometimes that diffusion of responsibility really isn't a good thing because it makes each individual person feel less responsible for the well-being of the whole, which is exactly what it's done for me. And my idea, if there was ever a fire, would not be to save the people or direct the people to the appropriate stairwell. My idea would be to be the first out of that building, (laughs) down the stairwell, and out the door. I frankly don't care how many people I need to push aside. You want to lead by example. (laughs) Your boss is going to listen to this podcast and take away your fire warden hat. I worked hard for that hat two years in a row. You just went on a long tangent about how you didn't work. 
is because there's never been a fire. So I've never had to prove what I would actually do in the real scenario. But I feel that, you know, if that's my thinking now, then in a state of panic, that will just be heightened even further. So this poor guy, this guy, this poor guy. The responsible fire warden of our building. (laughs) Yes, precisely. He's the one that thought that he would never have to, you know, actually put what he learned into action. But he's desperately trying to remember the handbook or the manual. Mm -hmm. Very desperately. You can tell that he's nervous. You know what? I give him props. I have no idea who the fuck he is, though. He's just one of those nameless characters. I don't know. I I don't think I'll ever see him again. But probably saves just a lot of lives, like a lot of people, their lives to whatever instinct kind of clicked for him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But as he's doing this, the other garrison regiment soldiers are closing the gates. So the ferries are all packed. There's no more. And Mm -hmm. the only other exit is the gate. And they're deciding to close it. Hannah sees this and he's like, there are still people that need to make it through. You can't close this gate. What they argue is they have to close it before the Titans get through. And there's not enough resources to keep the human race alive if they break through Walmaria. Yeah. What do you think about that reasoning? Um, I know this is a very harsh opinion, but I agree with this 100%. Would I agree with it if I was the person outside of the gate who wanted to get in? No, of course not. But from an objective standpoint, I definitely agree. Yeah, you know what? Um, I do too. And it's a, such a horrible decision to have to make. Mm-hmm. But the reality of the situation is that they can't afford to let the Titans through the wall because even to, more lives will be lost. Yeah, you have to think of the overall betterment of humanity, right? Do you save a few now and then kill the rest very imminently? Or do you kill some of them now and hopefully save the rest? Yeah, and unfortunately, fucking didn't matter because we hear these huge ominous steps and guess what? It is not the Colossal Titan, but it is actually what we later come to know as the Armored Titan. Mm-hmm. And he breaks through Walmaria. Once again, breaking through the weakest point in the wall, which is the gate. And I'd like to mention also Luscious Butt. <laughs> Well, actually, interesting that you bring that up because the Armored Titan is actually modeled after someone. Who has a very luscious butt? I don't know if you would be familiar with this luscious butt. Like a real life person? Mm-hmm. Oh. Hmm. I, I don't know. So what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to Google, type in Brock Lesnar. I've heard that name before. He's a WWE star. I know this person. That is the luscious butt you were admiring. I mean, <laughs> good lord, that is a wall of a man. <laughs> I think it was fitting for that sort of titan. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He even looks like the kind of person who has, like, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> who has very little emotion and is just kind of like, I don't know. I see him being a sort of robotic person who just goes about the motions. <laughs> a lot more brawn than brain, some might say. I agree. Exactly it. So uh, 
Brock Lesnar breaks through. <laughs> this is how we will refer to him. Yes. Brock Lesnar breaks through while Maria and we get the first glimpses of what soldiers on ODM gear kind of look like. We got a bits and pieces of it at the beginning of the first episode, but now we see how that functions within the Walt city and they look like they're going to save the day. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I'm sure that was their intention. Until they got eaten. Yes, precisely. <laughs> we essentially see cannons have like no effect on these guys. Apparently not exactly made for precision. And then we cut to a scene where we have some very important people. I'm going to put important in quotes. Mm -hmm. Some very important, probably aristocratic people complaining about the refugees flooding in like plague rats ah uh, yes i made note of this when we say important we mean monetarily important <laughs> mm -hmm. yes precisely because i think of the, especially if they're that far out like essentially the more important you are the farther within the walls that you are so yeah, the most it, important people lie within malcina but we find out that what they estimate is only 500 people in boats or just boats and refugees. And then they get the news that it wasn't just Shigan Shine that has been lost to the Titans. The Titans have broken through Walmaria, which is all cropland. And here is where the famine starts. <laughs> Well, apparently they already had a bit of a famine issue. So it's further exacerbated by the fact that they don't have anywhere to grow their food anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's going to be a bit of an issue. <laughs> yeah. They just have small pieces of bread and no mayo to put on the bread. So frankly, I mean, what's the point in even living? Vanessa. Yes. Not everyone is yeah. basically sustained by mayo as you are. Here's the thing, people. Mayo is a delightful food that encompasses a variety of food groups. We have eggs, so we have dairy. We have fat, which I'm not sure is a food group, but whatever. We have fat. <laughs> we learn our food groups in like first grade. It has olive oil sometimes, which is basically vegetables. Um, it's all encompassing, really. I know I haven't proven right now how it's all encompassing, but I'd like to say that it is. And it's very filling. And if it's good enough for the people on keto, it's good enough for the people in a famine. I don't know if mayo is most people's diet go-to. At least not if you want a sustainable diet. I think in any circumstance it works, but particularly in circumstances like these. I would advocate for more mayo. If you're going to have, honestly, if you're going to have crusty old bread, you might as well have some mayo with it. That's my two cents. That's what I think they're missing right now. The morale of everybody there would just be so much higher if they had a jar of mayo that they can like share. Yes, Vanessa, I think condiments are at the top of their priority list or should be. The thing too that I kind of wonder about is maybe if they ate a different diet, they wouldn't be as tasty. I just, you know, it's possible. What Have if they... the mayo made them even tastier, Vanessa? <laughs> they should slather see. themselves in mayo and see how that works out. In you should like these... never be in charge of any sort of military operation in this world. In <laughs> just 
going to send like people like doused in mayo to distract the titans. Well, it could be distracting. It might not be distracting. Like who knows? But it's worth a try in a situation like this. Like wouldn't you want to try all the options that are available to you? I would. I'd pour them in like mayonnaise and ketchup and mustard, make a nice little burger out of them and send them off and see what happens. Yeah. So we have a scene where we see Dr. Year and he's rushing, trying to rush back, I guess, to like wherever Aaron and his family are. And he's hoping that his wife is safe, that Mikasa is safe, that Aaron's safe. Then we see all these kind of strange, almost dreamlike images of a fire and Aaron is scared and Dr. Yeager is there and Aaron is struggling against his father. You get these flashes of these images, but you're mostly just hearing a lot of voices. And And there's like a syringe at one point. Yeah. So there's like a syringe and he tells them that he cannot forget the key. I believe he says must reject and it's the way to the truth. He's like, one day you will understand and then Aaron is jerked awake by Mikasa, like, again. And that's when the necklace appears. Like, we notice that the necklace is around his neck. And, and so we have no explanation at this point for how that happens. No. I believe Mikasa tries to get Aaron to go and grab some food. Because they hungry. Because yeah. it's a famine. <laughs> <laughs> well, it seems like you and Aaron have a little bit more in common that you'd like to admit. Because Armin is able to obtain some bread and he essentially says, fuck this and throws it back at him. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, has no, it has no mayo. What That's... the fuck am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> But how am I supposed to eat bread like this? <laughs> um, it's the only time that I agreed with Aaron. Well, you know, he does not throw away the bread due to lack of mayo or other condiments. No. But he's extremely upset at the fact that they're refugees, that they're being seen as parasites. Yeah. We have the brilliant moment where I just like, I didn't clap, but in my head I was applauding because Mikasa shuts him out in this we're we're on shouting match number 15 (laughs) she shuts Aaron up and she said you know what does she say about parasites actually I think he was saying that the people who are just kind of like blindly following were parasites right and she says we're all in the same situation right now don't kind of hold yourself so high and mighty above everybody else because we're all just trying to make do and survive and then she shoves the bread right down his mouth And it was the happiest moment out of the five episodes that I watched. You know what? I think this is kind of a go-to move for Mikasa to just keep people quiet. It's just to either shove bread in her mouth or someone else's mouth. Yeah. Because we see this a couple of times throughout the first couple of episodes. Bread is very useful during this famine. (laughs) It's a very useful muzzle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, You know what? In more ways than one. But we find out that nearly 10,000 lives were lost. The fall of Wall Maria. Mm-hmm. Everyone retreats behind Wall Rose. So that is the second wall. And we've basically just lost one layer of protection. So they do try growing plants in that area behind Wall Rose and it doesn't really work out. And then I think they mentioned that the following year, the remaining refugees sign up as soldiers to reclaim Wall Maria. As long as they were of age to be soldiers. Right. So that is part of the reason why Mikasa, Armin, and Aaron are able to stay back is because they're still, I believe, under the age of 12. 
Armin's grandfather, unfortunately, doesn't make it in this fight. And in fact, only about 200 refugees make it back. But they do, <laughs> as a very silver lining, um, it helps with the famine because there are less people to feed. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like humanity is able to survive due to the sacrifice of almost 250,000 people. Yeah. Which also does give you an idea of like the population of this walled city. Mm -hmm. So if we go 250,000 times, so if 250,000 is 20% of the population, that means we multiply by five, and that comes out to 1,250,000. Okay, not anymore. So a million. <laughs> so a million. Yeah. And you could see why they'd have a famine problem in a situation like that. Mm-hmm. Aaron, after these events, is even more determined to fight. And he decides that upcoming year that he will sign up to become a cadet in order to get strong enough to fight back. Armin and Mikasa decide to join him in that. They're just going to follow him. Where you lead, I will follow. If you recognize where that quote is from. Good for you. You lead, I will follow. I don't know the lyrics, but it's really funny because I was watching a Gilmore Girls YouTube video <laughs> earlier. That's what was talking shit about Rory, though. Oh, uh, she improves. Well, she's going to improve, hopefully, Like, because uh, there's rumors that there's going to be another year in the life. Okay. I yeah. I kind of figured that there would be. Mm-hmm. But I think we kind of realize, okay, that's different. You know what? Let's not get into topic. <laughs> different topic. I mean, you could definitely get me started on that I one. one. <laughs> yeah. Then we flash forward to the Cadet Corps and Commander Shandy's. I'm trying at this point. I'm writing out, trying to write out phonetically, yeah. Instead of how like their names are actually written, and he has lost all his hair. You know what? I didn't notice this was the same person. <laughs> it's the same person. Yes, he was originally the commander of the scout regiment, and this change probably happened due to a certain mental breakdown that we witnessed. He he's the angry yelly guy. Yeah. But a good kind of yelly. I don't mind him because he's insulting people in a clever way. And I can handle yelling when it's like that. And that brings us to the end of the second episode. But don't worry. Episode three, A Dim Light Amid Despair, Humanity's Comeback Part One. We got to witness some more of Commander Shandy's witty yelling. Yes. Thank God. (laughs) So we start off with Armin getting called Mop Top. So he's not the only one that has an issue with Armin's hair. (laughs) Yeah, clearly it's a recurring theme here. (laughs) But we do find out that he was named after his grandfather. Mm -hmm. Which is a little sad to hear. I mean, I felt bad for him in that moment. But you do in this moment see the difference between Armin and Mikasa and Aaron. So Mikasa and Aaron kind of witness the horrors of Mm -hmm. that day up front. And I think at that point, Armin was already making his way to the ferry. So you can see that Commander Shandis is kind of going up and insulting people in their face, but he skips certain people. And those include like Mikasa, Aaron, 
Annie, Reina, Bertold, and also Ymir. And we find out that they were at some point also witnessed the Titan attack. And they have a different look to them. They have a different look in their eye. Right. They stand out and they kind of like gravitate towards one another later on as well because they've kind of got that similar shared experience. We find, for me, this was my favorite scene out of all the... Well, it's my second favorite scene. My new favorite character. Wait a second. Oh, I knew it! Yeah. (laughs) I knew you would love her. And this scene is classic. I just, I want to say, and this is purely coincidental, she's eating a potato. And guess what I was eating when I was watching this scene? A potato. Potato. Now, some may say this is coincidental. I would say this is a sign from a higher god. It is one of the funniest scenes. It's so great. I love the back and forth between the commander and Sasha because I, I wrote down a bit of the what was going back and forth between them. The dialogue? Yeah, the dialogue. So, first of all, Sasha's officially been on Shandi's shit list. <laughs> and he questions her as to why she has the potato and she responds with the potato was in the mess hall begging to be eaten he asks so the commander goes on to ask why eat it here she responds with it looked delicious and it was getting cold (laughs) and I wanted to give it a shelter in my stomach (laughs) The commander still cannot comprehend as to why she would eat it in the middle of, like, a military lineup. Right. (laughs) And then she offers to share the potato with him. This is where we differ. I would never offer to share. (laughs) Her punishment was ended up being to run until sunset and then lose her meal privileges for five days. That's a tough one for somebody who loves food. <laughs> but I knew this would be her favorite character. Yeah. I And I know you had told me beforehand there was going to be a character that I really liked. And the minute I saw her, I was like, wow, this is definitely it. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. the one. <laughs> yeah. So she's fantastic. I actually do love her. Even though I, uh, sometimes I'm like, get your head in the game. You're about to die. Can you stop thinking about food? No. Um, we do meet a couple of other characters. So we meet Jean, who wants to be part of the military police. I believe he gets kicked. We meet Marco, just kind of like a sweet guy that just wants to like make a difference, has a purpose, but in a less mm-hmm. irritating way than Aaron. Yeah. And then we well, I mean, have anyone is less irritating at this point. Then we have the person with my favorite nickname so far, Connie, who the commander dubs Cubal. <laughs> And he's essentially getting his head squished. And it's in the process of him getting his head squished that essentially Sasha's potato eating uh, saves this guy's head. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) See, she helps everybody, really. Mm -hmm. So a whole bunch of people quit after this. And I guess they didn't appreciate all the, you know, mean nicknames and the yelling. There's a couple of soldiers that do end up having some sort of a discussion regarding these intimidation tactics, which I thought was like a nice thing to kind of just throw in why the military does this. It's and the same reason I do, like I do the same thing. You break them down and then you build them back up again. But the, 
Once you've broken them down so far, you can build them back up the way you want to. Are you talking about food? No, no, I, I'm talking about manipulating people. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, that the no, milita- because I thought you were still t- trying to refer this back to food. <laughs> no, no, no. We're on the topic of the military, right? Yes. Like the the key is to really break someone down psychologically by poking at all of their buttons, right, and the stuff that they're most sensitive about. And then once you've taken them down several notches, lowered their ego, you can build them back up, but in the way that you want to. I've always understood this military technique very well. Vanessa's not manipulative. She's a very sweet person. (laughs) That's part of the act, right? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Yeah, but I thought that was like a great line to throw in. They just want kind of blank slates that can be molded very easily to Mm -hmm. serve the purposes of the military. Mm -hmm. And this can be done again, people. This can be done for anything that you would like. You take a person, you figure out what their sore spots are, you break them down, and then you remold them in the way that you see fit. So it doesn't have to be for a military purpose. It could be for whatever purpose you see value in. We're going to get some like messages from podcast psychologists (laughs) before you make your comments. No, I do not have a diagnosed mental disorder yet. Yes, you'd be correct in assuming that I've never seen somebody about it. And she loves animals, so she also doesn't go and like kill small kittens or something which no i used to be it. the next step in this downward mental spiral yeah i i mean i don't see it as a downward mental spiral it's just it's part of who i am yeah but like a whole bunch of people drop out due to mm-hmm. vanessa's uh i mean commander <laughs> easy to confuse <laughs> militaristic tactics Aaron is talking a very big talk in the mess hall regarding seeing the Titans Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. interacting with them. And now I understand that, is his name pronounced Jean? Yeah, Jean. I don't know to be honest anymore. I understand that he's supposed to be a smart ass and like maybe a less likable character. But honestly, in this moment, I thought he was so great. I think part of his dislike for Aaron is that he has a thing for Mikasa. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, what the fuck is this cool chick doing with this whiny little baby? Exactly. And he would be right to think that. <laughs> you find out what, like, what ties them together okay. later on. But short of that, I don't think anyone wants to put up with him. Goodness, no. Unless you're into like self-torture. That's a psychological condition that you should be investigating. Not mine. But anyways, it looks like they're going to get into a bit of a scuffle, right? And then I think it's actually Jean who's a little bit more like, he's the more mature one, kind of seems in that whole argument. I think he reaches his hand out to like shake and end the disagreement. And Aaron, of course, being the bratty little child that he is, kind of like slaps it away and walks away. But then he has, Jean has that moment with Mikasa where he's like stumbling over his words because he really likes her. And he ends up saying, I like your black hair. You have really nice black hair or something equally embarrassing. And it reminded me of that scene in She's the Man, you know, that movie with Channing Tatum where he's so awkward. And he's like, do you like cheese? (laughs) It's just, it's one of those very awkward moments. I thought you did so well standing up to Aaron. And then you went and did this. (laughs) I was so proud and then so ashamed. 
we cut back to Sasha, your favorite character, and she's finally finished her run. I was confused in this scene because of the animation. And I thought that, like, something happened on her run, (laughs) and she turned into, like, she was about to turn into the Colossal Titan or something. And then I realized she was just hungry. (laughs) Yeah, and you're like, I've seen that look in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, yeah, that is how my eyes look when I get hungry. And, like, when you force me to exercise. (laughs) So, essentially, what happens is that Sasha sees the character Krista, who seems to be, like, a very sweet girl who's bringing Mm. her food, even though she's not allowed to. And Sasha turns on what looks to be some sort of demon creature and attacks her for the food. Yeah. Like, her eyes get bright red. Yeah. Just doesn't hurt her. Just wants the food. Like, think about the squirrels in downtown Toronto whenever they want your stuff. They don't generally attack you. They just kind of lunge for the food. It seems like they're attacking you, but they're really just going for the food. And I relate to her fully in that moment. But we go on, and it turns out that there's still more tests, which involves seeing how well they can balance using the ODM gear. So now ODM gear is the devices that they're using around that you see the soldiers wearing around their waists. It's what allows them to swing on the wires that shoot out of their swords because there's like a little kind of like gun-like thing right. in their swords that shoot out grapples. That Think like Batman kind of. Yeah, or swing. Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Sorry, yes, Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> they can be a bit difficult to maneuver. As you can Mm -hmm. imagine. So the full name is Omnidirectional Mobility Gear. Okay. I believe that's what it stands for. So it allows them to kind of move in a 3D way. Mm -hmm. Kind of like flip and swing and stuff like that. They have swords on both sides. They have extra blades also. So usually, especially if they're fighting, their blades can become dull. And they also have gas canisters. The gas is what allows them to propel. Okay, that's good to know because I was kind of wondering actually at a certain part, why are they like, how are they managing to fly through the air this way? Mm-hmm. But that makes sense. But in this aptitude test, Aaron, <laughs> just to my delight, is not doing well. <laughs> and I wrote, quote, I am actively rooting for his demise. <laughs> and boy, does he literally fall flat on his face. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He just, like, he can't keep himself upright, and he completely twists in the opposite direction. And we see that everyone else is just kind of has no problem with this or is struggling, but definitely not to the degree that Aaron is. is. He's lacking the core strength to Mm -hmm. keep himself still and upright. And there are a number of YouTube videos you can check out if you'd like to build your core strength. But he's very distraught by this because essentially if he cannot pass this test, that he cannot stay upright, he cannot go on and be a soldier and then eventually become part of the scout regiment. In his final test, after begging Reiner and Bertolt to help him train and they agree, he manages to be able to stay up for a bit, but not for very long. But then they they find out it's because there's defective equipment. Yes, defective equipment. Oh, it's not. It's defective. It's not operating properly. Okay. Is there like more of a backstory behind this? It's more tempered with than defective. Oh, okay. So there is more of a backstory Mm -hmm. behind this. Yes. Okay. I mean, you know, frankly, 
I'd have been very happy if he failed the test. I know, but then he probably would have been safe out there on the crops. Yeah, that's true. And that's why, like, later on, I was like, oh, thank God. Like, <laughs> <laughs> what I really like, too, is we end up finding out a little bit more about Bertol and Rhina, which is that they were right. also witnessed, like, the first Titan attack. They were apparently from a town within Walmaria, a mountain town that didn't get word fast enough that Titans had infiltrated. And mm-hmm. they've also seen right. some shit. They- Apparently, so. They have indeed. And yet, despite seeing some shit, they are less whiny about it. (laughs) It is possible (laughs) to go through traumatic experiences and not be little shits. (laughs) I realize that I have not given him much of a break here. You know what? It's Um, so, you know what? I'm going to have so much fun telling you some of the stuff that happens. Okay. It's going to be really funny. You can be wrong. It's going to be really funny. You looking back on your words. Once you find out more. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm curious. That's why I'm just letting you talk curious. by the way. Cause I can totally cut this out and tell you I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> little fuck. <laughs> but guess what? He can balance he found his core strength. He did a uh, Chloe Ting's like ab challenge and it yeah. worked. Actually, that thing is not not so bad. Let me tell you. It's useful. Anybody who's looking for some core strength videos, head there. And that brings us to the end of episode three. And now we're on to episode four and we're almost there. And I'm one step closer to continuing to watch the series. Rewatch. Vanessa's I'm so close to finally finish this and mind you I have no regrets about this I'm dying everybody I hope you know am I doing this for the greater good would you say that I'm a hero would you say that I'm brave yeah probably you know what I appreciate you going outside of your comfort zone and and I'm serious (laughs) you were waiting for something when you say something sarcastic (laughs) (laughs) um (laughs) I wasn't expecting. <laughs> it's good. I mean, that is um, what's, that's what the show is about. It's part of kind of getting mm-hmm. outside of our comfort zone, what we're used to, exposing ourselves to different things. And yeah. you know what? Even if we don't like a show, it's just finding something to appreciate about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I, I don't appreciate certain characters, but I can appreciate the visuals of when certain characters seem to meet their demise. <laughs> There's always that. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I wrote a note on uh-huh. episode four. My first note, I should have been done here. That's oh. that's what I wrote. But we're not. <laughs> and we're on episode four. The night of the closing ceremony, Humanity's Comeback Part 2. We're in year 850, which is five years after the events of Shiganshina. So when the Titans attacked mm-hmm. and broke through the um, Walmart, yeah. And... We see all of like our main characters and some more of the supporting cast, and we get an insight into how they've progressed over the last two or so years in their tra- in their military training. Once again, Commander uh, Shandi's description is you know kind of really on point. So yeah. I, I wrote down all the descriptions he had of each one of them. Rina, who actually is very nice and helps out Armin by carrying mm-hmm. his things because Armin is falling behind. 
according to Commander Shandis, he's respected, but he's like an ox. Strong as an ox. Yes, strong as an ox, but I think it goes back to more more brawn than brain. Probably more just like follows what he's told to do sort of thing. Maybe not so much independent thinking. He's not the smartest of the bunch, we'll, we'll say. We have Armin, who's academically brilliant. We have Annie, who doesn't play well with others, but she's gifted. Like, she's a very good fighter. Mm-hmm. We have Bertold, who has talent, and he's mild-mannered. We have Jean, who is apparently head of the class in his with ODM gear, so we know he's very talented. And we got kind of an idea of this in a scene in the mess hall later on in the episode, where he's talking about how he can use his momentum to conserve uh, the gas and the tanks that he has by pulling himself forward. Smart ass. Yeah, it's also a smart ass, yeah. But what I really liked about this was that it wasn't like the main point of a conversation. It was kind of like a side conversation that was happening. He's the smart ass with a hair trigger temper. I can't, I couldn't tell. Mm. That was not obvious yet. (laughs) We have a Connie who's agile, but not the smartest. Or as the commander puts it, something about less sandwiches. Oh, there we go. I couldn't read my writing. A sandwich shy of a picnic. <laughs> oh, yes. I love that line. I feel like yeah. I'm going to use that line in the future. And we have Sasha with fine instincts, but she still kind of doesn't share them with other. And we kind of see this when she takes away a kill from Connie right. as they're practicing killing titans. Like these are kind of uh, wooden titans that they're yeah. practicing on. And as you can see, they're all aiming for the back of the neck because that's... That's the only sense. way that they can kill the titans, but you also have to cut deep enough and in the right okay. spot, which just, I, you know keep slashing there until you hit it. I think getting there is the problem in the first place. I, I made it sound so easy. <laughs> Once again, you you're proving time and time again how you, you cannot be trusted to have <laughs> any sort of military operation. I'd be great at anything that involves me coaching other people. Hockey coach, guys, you just have to get in the net. How hard is it? You shoot the puck into the net. (laughs) Do it better. And we have Mikasa. She's a model cadet. She's essentially a genius and excels in everything. Can you Mm -hmm. tell? She's all-rounded. That's why I like her. I like how she's such a badass. She's like almost like a humble badass, though, I would say. Yeah, exactly. And I think especially like even more so than like another character that we run into who's very similar. And then we have Aaron, who is lackluster in the classroom, marginally better in the field, but driven by a purpose that's almost terrifying. I'll tell you what's terrifying about him. His yelling. (laughs) (laughs) Believe me, his yelling will become extremely terrifying. His yelling is just... His whole character, frankly, is lackluster. I was just so happy to see that he wasn't doing that great. I was like, thank you. You know what? But it's what I find really interesting about what you're saying about his character. That is what people thought when this first premiered Mm -hmm. back in 2013. Because I was also like looking at the Reddit threads for when these episodes premiered to try to get a general idea of what like people were thinking. So... You're not alone in that. Yeah, he seems I mean, you're, I'm not, like, I agree with you yeah. up until, like, a certain point. Right. Irritating. Yes. It's purposely meant. 
And we continue on with this sort of training and we come to a scene where there's where they're having combat training and Aaron is practicing with Reina. Reina is saying that the enemy comes in many forms and he needs to be prepared. And this is because Aaron is kind of complaining about why he needs to be training with hand-to-hand combat. If they're going to be fighting Titans, you're not going to be fighting Titans using hand-to-hand combat. Right. And then Reina goes on to kind of goad Annie into fighting with Aaron, probably in a scene that you probably enjoy seeing. Mm-hmm. I said such a happy scene watching someone kick Aaron's ass. I enjoyed it thoroughly. She's a really good fighter. She's an extremely good fighter, but she never actually practices with the uh, rest of the core. Yeah, and she makes mention of the fact that like she's telling Aaron afterwards, "Don't be a pawn and play their game." Right? She doesn't seem to think the boot camp. I guess is I don't know. I don't know how to put this. I guess she doesn't. She doesn't feel that the boot camp is really going to help. She doesn't believe, I guess, in the training that's going on. The impression that I got from that scene, and I don't know if this is the same impression that I had initially, was that she knows something that others don't. Yeah. So she has some sort of insight. So Aaron gets his ass kicked, and then so does Ryan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That was satisfying to see, too, to be honest. (laughs) You were asking for it. Yeah. He was talking a lot of shit, and he deserved it. He was trying to teach Aaron a lesson, and you know what? He got one handed to him as well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got yet another Aaron and Jean pissing competition. Yeah, there's been a few of those. But we got a glimpse of Aaron having an ability to learn. He's, more, I think, more skilled than people give him credit for. I was surprised, actually, at the way this scene ended, meaning that it ended successfully for Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> and you're uh, like, fuck! Yeah, I mean, I was a little bit upset, but at the same time, it feels like it's a bit of a, like, turning a new leaf for him. Like, he seems to be picking up on stuff, and, like, he certainly knew, learned some new fighting moves. But he also seems to be tapping into, like, getting a better understanding of what's motivating different people, right? And that's kind of what he was working with in that fight, knowing that Jean was out there with a big ego trying to prove something. And so he needed to knock him down a peg, following my method of manipulation <laughs> yeah and in the aftermath of this ruckus commander shondi walks in and he is asking what the hell is going on and mikasa so brilliantly <laughs> with like with the straightest face says that sasha had passed gas and then placates her with stuffing a bread in her mouth <laughs> I just want to say, so Sasha looks mortified in that moment, and she should have just owned it. Just own the fart. (laughs) She didn't fart. (laughs) I know, but you own it regardless. I'm reminded of a video that I watched recently of this little girl who's a ballerina who's doing like a little production in her home, and she farts, and then she apologizes for farting, and her family is laughing, and she's like, what? Ballerinas fart too, you know? She's like, I apologized. That's what Sasha should have done. I'm with Sasha all the way up until the point of this part. She just owned it. <laughs> yes, people, take ownership of farts you did not Even once you did toot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but we finally come to the end of like their training. So it turns out 218 cadets graduated and they have three options. Actually, 
the top 10 cadets yeah have three options and everyone else has two options for the top 10 cadets which in order so from the top ranked is Mikasa, Raina, Bertold, Annie, Aaron who's ranked 5th, Jean, Marco, Connie, Sasha and Krista. So as we can see Armin did not rank in the top 10 mm-hmm. and they have the option of either going and becoming military police and their job is to keep order inside the walls and protect the king and protecting the most important humans. The richest. Yes. And only the top 10 cadets from each graduating class are allowed to even join them. So let's say even if two of the top 10 cadets decide to not go into the military police, the rest of the cadets don't even have the option of choosing it. So even if there was space. Okay, interesting. Mm -hmm. Their symbol is a unicorn. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. It's like they think that they're these special unicorns. Little special snowflakes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're supposedly the, you know, the best of the best, but they're also known to be corrupt and incompetent because of their lack of contact with the Titans. I can see that. First of all, thank you, Attack on Titan Wiki, for for these additional facts. Yes. (laughs) Just to reiterate, that would be the group that I would be in. Yes, 100%. Mm -hmm. Explains Mm -hmm. the incompetence. (laughs) Excuse me. You wanted to douse people in mayonnaise to distract the Titans. It would be a valuable technique. We wouldn't know unless we tried it. Why don't you be the guinea pig? Well, no, that's not my role. My role is to protect the city. So the next regiment is the Garrison Regiment. They're responsible for patrolling, maintaining, and protecting the walls and evacuating during a Titan attack. Those in the southern part of the walls are the most experienced with uh, Titans. Probably even if you're part of the Garrison Regiment, if you're like in the northern inner wall of like wall rows, you wouldn't come into contact Right. You wouldn't be as experienced as those that are like in the southern part. You still lead a little bit of a more privileged life. Yeah, definitely. And their symbol is a pair of roses. They're little precious flowers. (laughs) I really am seeing a theme here (laughs) in the symbols. And there's the Scout Regiment, which their job is to reclaim territories taken by Titans And they're the most well-trained, but they also have the highest amount of losses while being the most skilled. So I think that kind of comes hand in hand with how many losses your regiment sustains and their skill level. Mm -hmm. Because they actually got to put their skills into practice. Yeah, exactly. They're the ones who are actually doing the dirty work. So at this point in the story that they're, they're the least desirable regiment and they're constantly considered for disbandment. Probably because just so many people are upset that, you know, their children are going on these expeditions and then nothing's like coming of it. But they're very skilled at Titan combat. They study Titans. They are also involved in human expansion and exploration. And their symbol is a pair of wings, as we said before, and they're the wings of freedom. Just in case, if you are curious, the Cadet Corps' symbol is a pair of cross swords. Ah, okay. Well, that makes sense. But Aaron is adamant that he wants to join the Scout Regiment, which surprises a lot of the 
people, right? Because he would have been able to join the military police mm-hmm. if he had wanted to, because somehow this dumbass got ranked high up enough. It's a quandary. <laughs> well, maybe there's people that are even more of a dumbass right below them. But you we know just what? don't focus on them. I really think that Jean should have been ranked higher than Aaron. Just saying. I think this is a travesty. But anyways, we have another yelling moment. <laughs> Aaron gives the speech. And I'm going to be honest, I can't remember exactly what he says in the speech because he seems to say the exact same thing every time. It was something to do with the combination of like, we need to fight for humanity. I'm going to bring an end to all of this suffering. I'm going to kill every last one of the Titans. And somehow this was a very moving speech for a number of people because they now agree. Uh, Yeah, I think... I also have had trouble feeling moved by him. But by anything I, I that think, he says. <laughs> but I think, too, it acts as a reminder that they can't be complacent. I think he acts as a reminder to them that the last time that they were complacent, Titans broke through the wall and we lost 20% of humanity. Yeah, And it's fair. like people need to be constantly reminded of this because they are. They're complacent. They mentioned later on it's been... Five years since the last Titan attack. It's a good omen. Of course, it's fitting though that like all of this happens once they've graduated. (laughs) I mean, could have happened at any point. I think they've probably heard this a couple of times, to be honest. I feel like Aaron's kind of like this broken record. Mm -hmm. But yes, Mikasa is obviously going to be following him into the scout regimen. Armin decides so too, even though he's like the book guy. And this is definitely not the wisest career choice. So at this point, we know it's been like five years since the previous Titan attack. And we see a couple, a redhead, I think it's a redhead, with this guy. And immediately I see them and I'm like, you're fucking dead. You can't be romantic in this sort of shit. Like one of you or both of you are going to be dead. And I'll be honest, I can't remember which it is, but someone that one of you guys is going to die or both. Oh, sorry. You wanted to live a happy life? Dead. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, when we were watching the Vampire Diaries and you know, if you saw a couple at the beginning, you're like dead. You dead. Yeah, yeah. You dead too. <laughs> yeah, this is what you, what happens when you try to find happiness. How dare they? We see that Hannes appears and I think he's been promoted. He talks about how Aaron's mother's death still haunts him. Which I think was kind of a moving moment. Another reason why I really like the character, right? Like he, he's just really honest. He seems like a nice guy. And I hope you don't tell me that this changes later in the series. So anyway, we move on and they're preparing cannons on top of the wall. You know what they're preparing that's even more important? <laughs> sandwiches. <laughs> illegal sandwiches. No sandwich is ever more delicious than an illegal sandwich. It's just one of those moments that everyone's horrified at Sasha's audacity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But they all still want a piece of the meat. Exactly, because it smells delicious. It seems that there is very little livestock because, like, they take up too much land. So there's very little meat. And so, like, obviously, yeah, you want a piece of that meat. And I wondered at this point in time if the delicious smell of the meat perhaps is the reason why they missed what suddenly snuck up on them all of a sudden. And what is that, Vanessa? 
I like to call him Juicy Peach. <laughs> so, wait a second. Is he more of a Juicy Peach than the Armored Titan? He's a fleshy peach. I don't know how delicious that sounds. It doesn't. <laughs> and he's kind of fleshless. I think that's the point. You're right. No, sorry. Um, that's a good point. Fleshless peach, perhaps? He's a skinned peach. That's what we're going with, skinned peach. I've never seen one of those, I'll be honest. It's probably just as horrifying. (laughs) Some people actually have to skin their peaches because they don't like the fuzziness on the outside. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've known people who have done this who won't touch a peach unless somebody skins it for them. It's not me. I'm not that sort of freak. Just so we're clear. But yeah, like the colossal titan appears again and knocks all of the cannons that they had and the meat for the sandwiches off of the wall. That was the worst part. People died. Definitely. Yeah, but the, the sandwiches. <laughs> <laughs> Won't someone think of the sandwiches? <laughs> Sasha very bravely saves someone by using one of her hooks to uh, grab onto someone's leg. Mm-hmm. Or like go through someone's leg. But still save someone. The yeah, very exactly. brave. But while everyone's kind of stuck in fear, Aaron is the one that charges forward and mm-hmm. kind of leads everyone to at least attempt to fight this thing. Yeah. It's such a huge contrast to how things were in the first encounter in the first episode, where yeah. soldiers just kind of stopped in their tracks and had no idea what to do. And Aaron, he's already been through this once. He's seen it. And he's like, okay, it's time to fight. Yeah, having the benefit of experience, he kind of knows that sitting back isn't really going to make a difference. And that brings us to the end of episode four. And we have begun. Thank you. Our final episode, episode five, first battle, the struggle for trust, part one. I call this episode, episode five, the end of Vanessa's struggle. The beginning of her salvation. I just want to say this is where I really noticed that my burn was really bad and that it resembled the Colossal Titan in terms of the color. So this was a monumental episode for me. It was a moment of realization. Well, yeah, it was a moment that I really realized, like, that's a third degree burn. (laughs) (laughs) I'll say right now, I can tell that you're burnt on your face. It, it, that's actually not from today. I put on a whole nest of sunscreen and a hat. So that's not from today. But I'm going to be honest here. It's really hurting sitting. Like I can't, I can't find a comfortable spot anymore. A lot of pain people for a number of reasons. <laughs> but like we got this image of the, of the colossal titan. As I mentioned before, he knocked over all the cannons from the top of the wall. And that's yet another indicator that intelligence of intelligence yeah it's not just this almost mindless kind of zombie-like monster in comparison to the other titans that we've seen this one clearly has a little bit of strategy aaron tries attacking him and he misses and gets engulfed in all this steam and then once again the titan disappears just out of nowhere and so I think I realized when it disappeared the second time that like its appearance was also I just thought like mm-hmm. they were completely negligent and they mm-hmm. didn't see him. <laughs> I was like for a titan that size how do you miss him coming mm-hmm. in? <laughs> but clearly there's something else going on there. Mhm. So the titan disappears and the cadets have to report to HQ because they're a witness to 
the first appearance of the Colossal Titan in five years. Once again, I wrote down that that couple is doomed. You <laughs> see them again and they're hugging each other and kissing each other or something along those lines. There's two groups of people. There's people that are actually running around doing things. Mm-hmm. No, there's three groups of people. There's people that are actually running around doing things, preparing for battle. There's people that are kind of breaking down and crying and throwing up. And then I think there are just people that are like somewhere in between, kind of like Armin, which is like trying to go through the motions. Yeah, he's trying. He's He's just too nervous. (laughs) I would be in the crying and throwing up group. Probably more on the end of throwing up. Oh, I don't know. I would hope I wouldn't throw up. We meet Commander Pixis. All the cadets are together and they're essentially planning out the attack. Different cadets are being assigned to different squads and I think different teams. Like the people that are closest to where the Colossal Titan appeared are the most fucked, obviously. At that point, we find out the advance team has been completely wiped out. Yeah, they're just dead. So morale goes down a little bit. Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, they know their mission is to protect the gate while they evacuate people, right? Mm. But clearly everybody is sort of realizing, including Jean, that this is sort of a death mission. And Jean is very pissed off because he's one day away from being in the nice, cushy interior. I am Jean, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I relate to this character. But then you have another scene where Mikasa doesn't want to leave Aaron. I think because of the promise that she had made to his mom. She wants to stick with him through thick and thin, and she's told that she's actually going to be assigned to the rear guard away from Aaron, and she tries to protest that a little bit, and Aaron gets really upset with her and tells her, like, look at the broader picture beyond just the two of us, right? It's not just about whatever promise you made or anything like that. We're trying to save humanity. That's his standard line for everything. (laughs) And she asks him to promise just that he won't get himself killed, and then he stalks away. And then we get a flashback of, like, them in the classroom. It's kind of reminding me a bit of the Garrison Regiment soldier in, like, the first or the second episode. But I always imagine him desperately trying to go through whatever manual he probably has in his head. And I think this is, that is kind of, like, what they're doing. He's going back to whatever lessons they learned in their training. And we learn a little bit more about the Titans. Well, beyond the fact that they have very little information on them. But first of all, it's unclear how they reproduce. Their physique resembles that of an average human male minus reproductive organs. Why is it only male? Well. There's a reason for that, I'm guessing. Uh, there are not only male titans. Okay. So their body temperatures are very high. That explains like the steam and stuff like that. I do think that the Colossal Titan does run at extremely high temperature, though. It's a lot of... He got real burnt. (laughs) Yeah. And they have an appetite that's exclusive to humans. It seems like they don't do it for sustenance. Right. Because they they went 100 years without... They just want to consume. It's just for pleasure. Yeah, which makes it even freakier. Yeah. I feel because I feel like even when it comes to like zombies and vampires and stuff like that, they don't. That's how they live. live. Yeah. But we also learned that they can regenerate. So they can even lose their heads and they'll regenerate quite quickly unless you get the spot at the back of their necks that stops that regeneration. The huh. chink in the proverbial armor, I think, is what he says. Mm-hmm. And then we get to that really pumped up music. 
Mm-hmm. And we're like, okay, Aaron's with his squad and he's ready to fight. Mm-hmm. And it's the sort of music that gives you, it's like, okay, it's fighting time. People are going to die. <laughs> but there's hope. There's hope. But, but there's hope. It doesn't last long. No. But it, it was there. So I believe Aaron is in a squad with Armin and there are five of them in the squad in total. Essentially, immediately, one gets wiped out by an abnormal titan. So it seems like most of the titans have fairly predictable behavior. You know, you can distract them. You can tell where their attention is going to go. But then an abnormal titan seems to move differently and also, like, not follow those rules. But immediately, the blonde guy that it's not Reyna gets eaten. That's funny, because I was hoping you would fill in what the name was, because I just wrote, blonde hair recruit killed. (laughs) Yeah. And then the music gets all doom and gloom. For me, I think it should have been happy music that was playing right now. But, you know, to each their own. (laughs) Aaron gets angry and starts going after the Titan. The rest of the squad follows him and then two more just kind of just get knocked out. And Aaron gets nipped and loses his leg. Yeah. And he's just lying on the roof and Armin steps in. (laughs) And I wrote here, bye bye Armin. So he goes into the mouth of the Titan and I was like, well, that's it for him, right? How did you feel at that point about... I was sad. I was sad. But it also reminded me of an episode of like the Magic School Bus where I don't know. They go into the mouth of some sort of creature and I was like, maybe there's like a story within the digestive system of the Titan. This is where my mind was going at the time. And then Aaron steps in and like snatches Armin back from the mouth and I was happy about that and then I was even happier when Aaron got trapped in the titan's mouth and I thought there's no way like he's a main character he's not gonna die here and then the titan's mouth shuts and Armin is screaming his head off and I sat there applauding slow clap slow clap I was so happy in the five episodes this was my favorite moment and it's the final moment we're done. I know. <laughs> it's actually, it was a very satisfying end. And that that's the moment that cinched me, was wondering how this could happen to the main character. How can he possibly get out of this? Like, there's no way. So, Vanessa, what would you rate this first five episodes? I'm not going to ask for the show because... It's definitely not representative of the show, but would you read the first five episodes as a whole? As a whole? Mm -hmm. I am like teetering between five or six. Oh, pretty low. Yeah. And it's not that, again, like I can appreciate, I think the animation is really well done. I like the musical score um, at the beginning of the episode. I just, it's a number of factors for me. I don't like the yelling. (laughs) I have a hard time getting over that. And then I think it's um, also just the fact that I tend not to like books, TV shows in general. And there's some exceptions, Mm -hmm. but generally speaking, I don't like anything that deals with like post-apocalyptic worlds. To be honest, I don't like anything that deals with dystopian societies either. Handmaid's Tale is like the only exception for me, but I am not big on that stuff at all. And so I think it's the combination of like the actual content of it, the yelling. It's not really my kind of genre. And I think that made it that much harder to get into. And I did, I like, I will say that I tried 
as much as possible to keep an open mind about it. But I think when the main character was that unlikable to me, I kind of like shut down a little bit (laughs) as I was watching. Which I think is understandable. What does happen later on in the show, the focus on Aaron kind of diffuses and you get introduced to, I guess, a lot more characters that I think you would have found a lot more interesting, interesting, less annoying. Yeah. Yeah. There are certainly characters that came in in these first five episodes, some of them that I'm like interested in, one of them that I really relate to. And I am curious about some of the plot lines and some of the little things that you alluded to, but I just can't get over some of those factors enough to rate it higher. I'm rating that based on like my overall enjoyment level of it. Now on to the opinion that matters the most and really the only opinion that should matter is mine. Now, I will say the first five episodes, I will rate at... mm, I'm stuck between like an 8 and an 8.5 because like there's certain episodes that it kind of dips. I was very lucky in the fact that I watched it when there was already the entire first season out. So that helped a lot. So I could just kind of like push through some of those episodes that had those dips. But essentially every episode going forward from episode five is just action packed. You get like a lot of information. A lot of things happen. So the plot really moves forward. First season, I probably rate in 8.5 or 9. Series up at this point only. Season 4, part 1 has finished and we still have season 4, part 2 done. I would, from what I know so far, I would almost give it a 10. Hmm. It's some of the best piece of writing Mm -hmm. that I have come across, not just anime-wise, TV show-wise, and I would highly recommend if you're into shonen, I would highly recommend it. You know that the creator has a purpose. There's an end goal, like things aren't being dragged out. I mean, like there's points that you kind of feel that they are dragged out, but they're not like as a whole. And you know that there's an end goal in mind and that's coming up as a whole. It's one of the best pieces of television that I've come across. Hmm. That's that's quite a high statement of praise. And I surprised myself because like I said, I kind of avoided this at first because it was just like that Game of Thrones thing. Ugh, you didn't want to get into all the hype and all that stuff. And there were like comparisons where like people are afraid that it was going to end the way that kind of Game of Thrones did where the last season was just so much of a disappointment. Yeah, it's always a concern with a longer series. But it seems to not be that way with the way that the show is going. Which is really good because especially for something that clearly has a huge following and that's so well liked, it's such a disappointment to see it end in a way that's not fitting with how the rest of the series was. Yeah, and I think that some might make the argument they don't understand why some characters ended up the way that they did. But now looking back on it, rewatching, the clues are there that this is Mm -hmm. exactly where it's going. So I did ask my brother, he's read the like the ending, the final chapter, uh, the manga, and I asked him, I just want your thoughts on the first episodes without giving away stuff that happens afterwards. That's what I asked him. Okay. He said, I think in the first episodes, the magnitude of the situation seems so great that you wonder how the protagonist is even going to win. That's very insightful. So um, like that, that is my score. Like I said, if you're into shonen, 
if you're into action, if you're okay with kind of a bit of gore mm-hmm. in it, because it is kind of a bloodier show. If you're into Shonen, you're already already with the yelling. I think we can all agree on that. Um, But if you want some great storytelling that really does pay off in the end, or from what I've seen, I can't speak for, like I said, the second half of the fourth season, like this is 100% the show for you. So if anyone's watched it already and has a ranking that they would like to contribute, let us know. Yes, because we have an Instagram page. I made her watch pod. We also have a Twitter account. I made her watch. And don't let my snarkiness dissuade you from watching because, you know, clearly I'm not with the majority of people who really like this show. So (laughs) maybe there's something wrong with me. (laughs) No, no. I just think that people have different preferences and likes. Like we went through this, I believe, even with the too hot to handle episode you really enjoyed that I didn't mm-hmm. I think I think that's the lowest score we've ever given so I've ever given something was I think it was like a three that's just the way the show kind of rolls sometimes there's a reason why we're making each other watch this shit <laughs> exactly and sometimes it really is forcing the other person to watch it <laughs> mm-hmm. I think that brings us to uh, what I'm going to force you to watch next week. My punishment? You know what? I'm prepared for this. I I was, I knew it would most probably swing this way. So I'm prepared. Yeah. Um, So I had a couple of options in mind and I wasn't sure which one to choose. Both of them I am interested in making you watch. This is momentous. This is going to be our last episode of the season. This next episode is going to be the final episode. So, like, you better make it memorable, Vanessa. You know? Does that put any pressure on you? (laughs) Well, it kind of does because now I'm thinking, I don't know if I should go with what I I want to go with or if I should go with something different. Between the two options, um, I'm going to go with what my initial choice was. And I want to preface this with one minor issue. I don't think you've watched this. But if you have watched it, <laughs> we'll just make a slight adjustment. <laughs> you have a backup. I have a backup. Okay. So, because I wanted to punish you for this, mm-hmm. and because I enjoy this movie, what I want you to watch next week is the delightful rom-com Runaway Bride with Julia Roberts. Have you watched this? <laughs> I think I have. Okay, we're going to read <laughs> Um. But uh, you know what? I only remember kind of bits and pieces of it. But I think, Vanessa, you know this. And it's part of the reason why you picked it. Yeah. Yeah. I have a dislike for Julia Roberts' characters. I find that they're all shitty. Yeah. And in this movie as well. But I might also be confusing it with... My best friend's wedding? Yes. It's possible. Like the one with Carmen Diaz. Can I see a quick trailer? Yeah. And see if it like triggers something. Okay. Okay. I don't think I have because I know I've only seen the other movie with uh, the pretty woman where the guy with the, that's Richard a pretty one. Yeah. Richard yeah. Gere. I'm pretty sure I've only seen like him and Julia Roberts in pretty woman together. Okay. I think we're good with this one. Okay, that's great. So, yeah. so you're going to have to suffer through Julia Roberts in This is guys, this is bad. <laughs> role. 
Vanessa, I think you've heard you've heard a couple of my Julia Roberts rants. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly why I chose it. You know, this is fine. I will have a lot of fun probably trash talking her character because from the bit of the trailer that I saw and from the mere title of the movie, it does not seem like she's the best person. Yeah, yeah, that would be a fair statement. But I think you're going to really enjoy, number one, watching her because I know you love her. And number two, I think you're going to enjoy the little tidbits of information that come up when we discuss it because there's some interesting backstory there. Oh, boy. I'm so excited for you. She's smiling right now. I'm so excited for all of us. You will hear a lot of screaming, Vanessa. So don't think that this episode of Attack on Titan was the last that you'll hear of of screaming. What a way to hit me when I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) My screaming, just to be clear. Okay, we'll catch you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.